Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Before we get started with this episode, I uh, just have to uh, shout out to my my good good friend Travis Rasmussen, um, our uh, our esteemed co-host, our beloved co-host, who is unfortunately going to have to step away from the podcast. Um, everything's fine health wise, um, just uh, just real life gets in the way, and uh, that's where we're at with with Travis right at the moment. So, Travis, if you're listening to this, you're absolutely going to be missed on the show. There's always a place for you um, if you, uh, if and when you make it back, at the very least as a guest, man. Um, we'll, uh, we'll share the airwaves once again. But until then, just want the listeners of the Super Show to know, while Travis is gone, the show will go on. We have a new host that we're going to introduce in this episode, and uh, we're very excited about that. Um, but just wanted to start with an acknowledgement of, uh, of my good, good friend, Travis the Beard, and uh, everything that he's meant to this podcast. Um, you're you're going to be missed, brother, and uh, can't wait to, uh, to hear your voice on here again. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. John, I hope you're ready to get stomped this episode because it's happening. Oh, spoiler alert. I am John, finally the most bearded man in the room. Hope that might not even be accurate, actually. Probably the, <laughs> still the least bearded man in the room. Uh, someday. Someday I'm going to do a solo podcast so I can have the most illustrious beard on this entire show. But I am John Hogan. This is the Super Flex Super Show. And I've got one more introduction to make here. And it's one that will become a staple in this weekly intro. So get used to it. This ain't no guest appearance. Please welcome the newest member of the Super Show family, our newest co-host, Sam Stumpy Lane. Don't worry, everybody. I'm I'm here to save the podcast. SFB8 champion, right here. Oh man, is it too late to fire him? Nope. We're gonna hear and about that SFB8 championship for for a while, aren't we? Stumpy? For a year. For a year. You got a whole year until we get back into the SFB or SFB9. Yeah, we you you deserve to to crow on that one, man. And and you were telling us offline that uh, that you got your championship belt. 
Yep. And um, your dog peed all over your house, and you were down on your hands and knees cleaning up dog piss while wearing the championship belt. That's the way yeah. I understood it anyways. Uh, I'm not doing anything for at least a week without that wearing that. I'm going to shower with it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. No, that's perfect. You should. You should. Everything that you do, like like I said off, uh, off air, you should wear that to the store. People aren't going to know what it is, but they're still just going to. They're just going to do the thing where they just, the Wayne's World thing, just to drop down and we're not worthy thing. I, I, I'm just, I hope like if I wear that belt, it'll be like whenever I walk into a building, like some theme music will come on and by God, that's the SFBA <laughs> champions music. By God, that's Stompy and he's here to stomp a mud hole in someone's ass. <laughs> good old jr yeah. Uh, yeah so that i i will f- be forever jealous of that one that was uh that was the all-time resume builder and now even better you get to put on your resume that you are a co-host of the super flex super show a permanent member of this show this is now your show yeah, I I think that is even better, honestly. And this is probably me sucking up to you and the listeners, but you two have been <clears throat> some of my best friends on Twitter since I've joined this community. And I I am so excited to join this podcast. Likewise, man. And and obviously, it would have been nice to uh, to have this happen under you know better circumstances, but. Nonetheless, I mean, just the opportunity to be able to talk fantasy football with you every single week and share your knowledge with our with our listening audience is uh, is a treat and uh, it just an added benefit to the fact that I get to sit here and talk fantasy football with with one of my good friends. So um, and uh, I I'm sure I speak for James on that because uh, I'm doing way too much talking and not letting James get a word in so far. No, you're doing a good job, man. You you do. You you speak for me as well. I um I'm I'm blown away and super excited that that Stompy is here. I do I do want to say, you know, um I you know, this doesn't mean that uh this is the end for Travis. Travis has some stuff that he has to take care of um right now and so he's not available. But uh but that does not mean that Travis won't be joining us and we won't be a four man podcast in the future. So um just to address that, I know we're probably going to get a lot of questions regarding Travis. He's just got some things that he's taking care of right now, and uh, and once he gets those taken care of, you know, we uh, we we hope to have him back and have all four of us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We'd be like the four horsemen of the uh, of the podcasting world. I mean, this would be that that would be insane. So, Travis, hopefully you hurry back, bud. But man, I am so pumped that Stompy is a part of this now that uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to go, guys. I am ready for this episode for sure. Nice. Well, let's get to know the Stomp Man real quick then. So, Sam, tell us some of your fantasy football superpowers. Uh, for James, he definitely uh, he knows rookies far better than I do. And uh, for me, I my superpower is taking the fun out of fantasy football by <laughs> telling people to not ever draft running backs. I know that you don't completely, that you don't agree with that, but you also don't totally disagree. So, so yeah, let's talk about your fantasy football superpowers uh, beyond 
the fact that you have a championship belt that uh, that nobody else has? Um, yeah. So, I mean, many and you two especially know, but many have heard me um, praise my Patrick Mahomes take. And I think that's where I've been pretty good in recognizing potential breakouts. Um, and along with that, I think buy low, sell highs, I, I think have been pretty good. I've written several articles on those topics. So yeah, I, I think I have been good at, at recognizing uh, good breakouts, especially young breakouts um, and, and rookies in, in those terms. So not necessarily what James knows, but looking at guys like Patrick Mahomes who did have a breakout. And I kind of thrive on that. So give us some names based on that, some names that we're going to hear from you throughout this offseason. Well, we'll talk about this one a little bit later, but Lamar Jackson. Um, nice. I've been having a little bit of an argument, and by a little bit, I'm in a lot, lot of bit argument, on uh, taking Lamar Jackson early. Um, I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback next season. Um, so he's definitely the guy that I'm kind of riding this offseason. I think the other one, and, and we'll talk about him too, is Ronald Jones. Um, I just, I, I don't think he got a fair shake last season. Uh, Tampa Bay did not have a good offensive line in terms of running the ball, and I think he's going to have a lot better season this season, especially with Bruce Arians there. So yeah, those are a couple guys that I think could have breakouts this season. Well, you just became one of my favorites, but go, go on. <laughs> yeah, we did a total 180 on Ronald Jones from that uh, from that particular co-host seat. So, yeah, I well, and, and here's the thing: I didn't I didn't love her, uh, Ronald Jones coming out, um, but I don't I didn't like the coaching situation either, and I don't know many who did. I think Dirk Cutter was just not a great offensive coach. I mean, there were last year you had, they had a time where. Um, he took the play calling from Todd Monken, even though they were doing, they were like top three offense in the league. And guess what? Over that ne the next two games, they were awful. So I, I think the coaching situation was awful. And I think bringing in Bruce Arians with Byron left, which is definitely going to help that offense and Ronald Jones, Jones moving forward. All right. So back to you as a fantasy player and fantasy analyst. So, Obviously, Superflex is a passion of yours, or else, you know, you probably wouldn't be here. Um, I, I, I don't know why you would sign up to talk about Superflex every single week if you didn't somewhat enjoy it. But besides the Superflex, the Superflex format, what are some of your favorite formats and settings in fantasy? Um, so I think I like Titan Premium a little bit, and I, I like Superflex paired with tight end premium specifically because it kind of evens out the positions. And I like that. I like when, when you can have valuable players all over the board. Sure. Quarterbacks generally like in, in those um, it, it's nice to hit on late round quarterbacks specifically in, in those non super flex leagues, by the way, super flex is the best format and you're wrong if you don't play it. Correct. Um, yep. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I mean, I've I've got a couple like regular PPR, 0.5 PPR, but my far and away my favorite settings or scoring settings are Superflex with tight end premium, one point PPR. Hey Stompy, so I've I've got a question for you. 
in a startup, do you prefer auctions or do you prefer snake draft, serpentine? Is is there a a preference? And if so, um, how do you do? You like the three round reversal in snakes, or do you do you prefer um, a proxy auction, a live auction? What what's your preference as far as auctions or snake drafts go? Um, <laughs> believe it or not, so I've only done snake drafts, never done an auction draft. I'm going to be doing my first auction drafts. This I so I'm going to be doing multiple this nice. off season. So that'll be interesting. So I'm going to say I don't know because I've only done snake drafts. But I will tell you when I do startups I trade back. I will always trade back in startups. This is for this is a call out to Addison Hayes of FF statistics <laughs> always trade back. Interesting. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I suppose if I was going to trade, I'd want to trade back as opposed to trading up. So I, I, I can get on board with the philosophy there. Well, I just, here's my thing with that. It's like, I, I don't know how much of a difference a top 10 versus like three top fifties makes for you. I'm a depth guy. So if I can trade like my top, my first round pick for a second and fourth round pick, I'm going to do that every time because I'm gaining an extra pick in let's say the top 50 players. And that helps me build depth. So I'm always going to trade back like that. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. So as far as snake drafts go, have you done um, straight serpentine, or do you do you do a three round reversal? What do you prefer as far as that goes? Uh, again, straight serpentine. So <laughs> this makes me sound like such a noob when it comes to fantasy football. This is hilarious to me. <laughs> now, you're making me look bad for all the fans, guys. Oh, this guy doesn't do know what the hell he's doing. I do. Leave me alone. <laughs> Prove it. I won SFB8. I won. <laughs> yeah, you have a belt that oh, proves that you that. know what you're doing, right? A title belt that shows that you know what you're doing. So no one, no one will say that. No one. I'm, I'm, I'm working on myself. Okay, guys, let me work on myself. Quit trying to change me. <laughs> we can ask this question next year after you've done several auctions and all sorts of yes. different snake drafts, and then, then, then we'll know. All right, fair enough. And yeah. when I win ten leagues, and then I'll be like, you know. I'm just too good for this. I retire. <laughs> now, this is the whole point of this, though, is to kind of create a profile here and, you know, figure out where, you know, where your strengths are and uh, where we can learn from you in our time together here as co-hosts and where, you know, we can uh, we can kind of grow together on some things so so to me this is important for everybody to just kind of get to know stompy the fantasy player the dynasty player and some super flex strategies uh that you like to employ uh, just for some context going forward because we're going to have a lot of discussions uh, every single week and uh they're not always going to be nearly this this pleasant oh no (laughs) because john's wrong about running backs and Pat Mahomes. And Pat Mahomes. Oh, God, yes, Pat <laughs> Mahomes. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, based on that, one last question for you here. First overall pick in a Superflex startup, who are you taking? Pat Mahomes. Okay. 
Because he's the QB one, John. Uh, in- incorrect, but I would way rather see a quarterback go first overall, even if it's the wrong quarterback. Oh, man, you're taking a pot shot at me and uh, Saquon <laughs> point one, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We're turning this into a, a fatal three-way. I do have Patrick Mahomes ranked number two, however, which is higher than I think John has him ranked. So at I, least I'm at least you have him as QB one. I'm fine with that. There you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've I've got him as QB two and number two overall. Okay. Okay. Number two. Wow. Number two overall. Yeah. So you're going? Are you going to what? One hundred one and one hundred two as QBs and one hundred three. Wow. All right. Yeah. And then and That's... then you can get to the wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to the quarterbacks and a couple more wide receivers and then and then finally. At the twelfth pick of the first. Oh round. my god! I think yeah. I think I read that on Twitter and I almost had a stroke. I was like, "What?" Yeah, I know. Yeah. I had to I had to call him Saquon Nine because yep. that's the only that was the highest number I could give him that still had a zero. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have just called him Saquon Point One Two, and that would have been that would have worked too. But yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to some stuff that we wanted to talk about on this episode. Uh, now that now that the world is familiar with the SFB8 world champ, that's that's what that that that's an important part of that. The world that champ. title, yeah, world champ. There's only one in the entire world holding that belt. Yep. So, and there will there will only ever be one holding that belt. Yeah. When I win it next year, I'm going to be this. Scott Fishbowl Nine Universal Champ. No, how do you claim <laughs> it's, it's Universal? Gonna it's gonna happen. I guess, <laughs> yeah. I guess that is kind it's of the arrogance really. of the human. That's kind of the arrogance of the human race, though, isn't it? Oh, hey. we don't have. Well, there's no other life out here. Get out of here. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there is, but they you know, they all have an equal opportunity. All they have to do is show up and give yeah. Scott Fish their email address, and, and they could. Right. So, there, you go. So, there you go but that's the thing this is this is legitimately a world championship at the very least if you think about it like the nba they call themselves the world champs even yep. though it's not like they're beating you know the chinese national team or anything like that it's just it, it's <laughs> you know it's just the golden state warriors beating the crap out of another team full of mostly americans and one right. <laughs> tall white european dude and like it, it's and they still call themselves a world champs. This is an actual world championship right here because everybody in the world has the opportunity to sign up and play in this thing. And I mean, not, they're not all going to qualify, of course, but nine hundred people from all around the world, one winner. So and I can call myself the goat of SFB eight too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And I, I can call myself the goat of the BZ's 2.0 uh, Keeper Auction League uh, that I commission with uh, and... with 11 of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and as impressive as all that is, John, I can claim, <laughs> is it? I can claim to have started Derrick Henry in the SFB8 uh, when he when he went absolutely nuts and was on everybody else's bench for the most part, and I believe 
I had the high score in the SFB8 that week. So, I so you were Stompy one week. You were the one guy that like everybody was like, if anybody was starting him this week, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I was the one guy that if Behold they would have looked at my running idiot. back core, they would have been like, oh yeah, you didn't have a choice. Like, you, you, had, you had nothing there. Like yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, it was it was him and Nick Chubb, and it was a good it was a good group. But yeah, I mean, it was more out of necessity than anything. But anyways, we want to talk about some buys and sells now that uh, now that Stompy has been properly introduced. So you know, just kind of a a, a good way to kind of wade into this and uh, start the conversation for the off season, which this just happens to be the first episode uh, of the actual NFL off season. No more NFL games for thirty one weeks, and uh, now is the time to start molding those rosters and so we've got some buy and sell candidates for you some guys to target and buy low on and some guys to move on from and uh there's probably going to be some fireworks here so uh we're 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 probably throwing stompy to the wolves a little bit but that's only because we're absolutely confident that he can handle it but we're going to start with james actually and uh get some quarterback buys and sells from you james Cool. All right. I, I'm excited to start at quarterback because I, I'm pretty passionate about both these guys, the one I'm going to buy and the one I'm looking to sell. So the guy I'm looking to buy is BDNF, Nick Foles. I, I'm, I'm buying in. Right now, uh, his he's QB28 uh, as far as ADP goes, and we're using uh, the ADP on DLF.com that you can find there, the Superflex ADP. Um Mick Foles is quarterback 28. Guys, he is going to start somewhere next year, and he's going to be at least as good as an average quarterback. He should be at least QB 15. At QB 28, he's not going to get any cheaper than what he is right now, in my opinion. I am buying him. If I can get him at that discount, I'm, I'm buying him now in a super flex, and I'm very comfortable having him as my quarterback, too, once he does find a home. Uh, so Nick Foles, to me, is the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm buying him. I think he winds up in a pretty decent situation, too. Uh, the guy I'm selling is Jameis Winston, and um, again on that uh, DLF, uh, yeah, Superflex ADP. He is quarterback 17. What has he shown to be quarterback 17? That he can barely edge Ryan Fitzpatrick out of a starting job because he's younger. Like I, he has not. He, he I don't. He hasn't shown that he should be quarterback 17 at all. And so I, I mean, this offense has. So many weapons, especially at the receiver and tight end position, that he should he should definitely have had a season where he should have been over QB seventeen. Um, and and I don't he just he hasn't shown anything. He hasn't grown since his rookie year. Um, there's nothing there that shows me that Jameis Winston is going to live up to that billing of QB seventeen. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with him as one of my top two starters in a super flex league. He would be a guy who I would say is a QB three at best. Um, so I'm. I'm not buying him. As a matter of fact, if I can get that value, if I if someone's valuing him as a mid-range QB two in a super flex league, I am dealing him right now for for what I can get for that. So, what do you guys think? Uh, who's who's with me and who's against me? I get the Nick Foles buy, but I will say this: he the quarterback situation. So we just got. We just got news today that he is going to be buying out his contract from the Eagles for $2 million to become a free agent. 
So he likely will go somewhere to be a starting quarterback, which always is going to be valuable in Superflex. However, I don't know if I like any of these situations that currently exist. So you probably you have Jacksonville, uh, you have the Washington, maybe New York. Then where? Uh, Miami might be a an yeah. Option. Miami's a good one. Um, <clears throat> I think New York's probably the best one if they get ri- get rid of Eli. And we'll see what Foles will command in terms of salary, and what the um, and I think ultimately that will tell us what the jet or the Giants will do in the um, draft. I just he's excelled in basically one season as a starter, and then he's excelled coming in relief and into the playoffs over the past two seasons, and all three were with the Eagles over what, like a a seven year span or something like that. Um, so I just, I don't know how much I trust Nick Foles to perform outside of the Eagles system. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I could see where there's some trepidation, but at QB 28, no, no. And and, then, yeah, I get it. I mean, how much where he's going, I absolutely agree, especially because, in a starter role, with it's it's hard to point at point out twenty seven QBs that are better will be better than Nick Foles this season. All right, fair enough. Um, what about you, John? You, um, I, I know normally you and I are locked up with Jameis Winston. Yeah, and I'm I'm still there. Although, I mean, seventeen is is kind of pushing it for me. That's starting to get a little too low for a guy who is going to get every opportunity to start in a Bruce Arians offense. Um, but I just, I, I mean, we haven't seen anything of Jameis Winston that, you know, that, that feels like it, it, nothing that would make me comfortable with him is even my quarterback too. So, uh, and man, quarterback three would be kind of pushing it for me. Um, so yeah, I'm on board. Uh, we're getting close though, but so this is off of, uh, January's Superflex ADP. It's available at dynastyleaguefootball.com under the resources tab. And right now, yeah, quarterback 17, I kind of have a feeling that that's going to go up, which also makes him a sell for me. That's kind of speculative, but you know, now that Bruce Arians is officially the head coach and, you know, the, there's there's going to be a lot of hype around Jameis Winston, I believe. And uh, I think that's going to push him up in ADP. So, yeah, it's it's if he's not a sell now, he's probably a month away from being a huge sell. So let's hear from you, Stomp. What do you got at quarterback? Um, so my buy is... Matt Stafford. Love it. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. He's going as QB 16 currently. Uh, finished as uh, QB 19 in 2018. But I believe that that is an anomaly because in four of his last five seasons, he's finished top eight. And in five of his last seven seasons, he's finished top eight. And then six of his last seven seasons before 2018, he finished as a QB one. 
Now, Stafford's um, numbers all season have been down. Uh, his yards per attempt were the lowest he's had in the past five seasons. His adjusted yards per attempt were the lowest he's had in the past. Sorry, these are six seasons. His touchdown rate was below 4%. Um, his interception rate didn't really change all that much. And then the number of pass attempts was also down. Now, a lot of people will, will point out that they, it looks like they're going to a more run-heavy attack, and that's fine. I think a more balanced attack is actually will be good for Stafford in the long run. But um, Daryl Bevel has actually been decent as a, um offensive coordinator with quarterbacks. Um, over the past, as offensive coordinator, over the past five, I guess five seasons as offensive coordinator, so he didn't coach in 2018, he finished with four seasons in the top 10 and five seasons as QB, sorry, in the past six seasons, he's finished with um, five seasons in the top 10 and six, all six seasons he had a QB one. Now he did have Russell Wilson, all of those. So we definitely need to take that into account. But he had a balanced offense because even his running backs with Marshawn Lynch, he still had a legitimate running back basically um, from 2006 through 2014. And then after Marshawn Lynch re- retired, or, or sorry, after he got injured and then there were some retirements there, he, he dropped off. But so Bevel brings a balanced offense and Stafford was just less efficient this season than he has been before. And I think that is due to not only Golden Tate being traded, but injuries to Carryon Johnson, who, who's a good three-down back, as well as the uh, wide receiver two on the team, Marvin Jones. So I think Stafford is due for a bounce back, and I would definitely think he could reach QB1 potential, and he's going at QB16. As for myself, it's Kirk Cousins. Um, this might be... A little bit of a hot take um, just because Cousins finished as the QB nine this season, but over his, um, the second half, he definitely fell off and the, and that likely has to, well, I, somewhat has to do with them, the Vikings changing over to a more run heavy offensive coordinator and a healthy Dalvin cook, meaning that they were going to run the ball more. And I think that will continue into 2019. And I definitely, and with all of the young quarterbacks that exist in the league today and all of the good young quarterbacks that exist, I think a lot of them are going to take a leap and you're going to see Kirk Cousins drop out of uh, QB1 territory and could end up being like QB16 on the season. I tell you what, my initial reaction is, is with Matthew Stafford is, um, I, I'm looking at his ADP right now. Again, this is on DLF.com, on DonnieSueekFootball.com, uh, their January Superflex ADP. And, um, with him going at quarterback 16, I'm looking at some of the names that are in front of him and going, okay, who would I take him over? Man, there's just not a lot of guys there that I think I would. I mean, I, I the, the top 10, I, I, you know, I don't think I would. you got Dak Prescott at 11 um, and the five years that he, you know, he still has on him. I think I'd rather take Jimmy Garoppolo. It's questionable. Um, but Mitchell Trubisky, I still think, I mean, he's got six more years, um, you know, of, of production on him. Lamar Jackson, I'm higher on than, 
than Stafford. Maybe Matthew Ryan, who's one spot in front of him at 15, but just looking at the quarterbacks that are in front of him, it's hard for me to move him up, but I don't disagree with you. He could be a QB1 this year. Um, so if you're buying a guy for this year, I, I would think that Stafford is, you know, is definitely an option that I'd look at. But I don't know long term if I'd want him, you know, over the course of the next two, three years over any of the guys that are ranked ahead of him right now. Um, so that's that's my initial reaction to to that. But um, what do you think, John? Where are you at with these two guys? Matthew Stafford is a guy who's he's pretty intriguing to me. And he's somebody who I've I've been looking for a reason to to really buy in you know, here in the off season. And it, it, it's, I haven't been, all right, let's be honest. I'm too lazy to do the actual research to do the legwork on this, but I really want somebody to carry Matthew Stafford's water because, I mean, this is a guy who's, who's, you know, consistently been in the 5,000 yard range up in at virtually every season up until 2018. You know, and and the receiving core changes all the time, and the stats just kind of don't. And so it it feels to me like there's a bounce back coming. I just I haven't put the time into supporting that. So um, I'm happy to hear that somebody does. And uh, as far as Kirk Cousins, I, I'm actually I I feel like. I felt like there was going to be a, a bounce back coming for Kirk Cousins as well. And then they went off and hired Gary Kubiak, which Stompy is a fellow Broncos fan. En- enjoy that, by the way, James, having uh, two Broncos fans on here. <laughs> as long as you guys aren't Steelers fans, no problem. Nice. We'll just talk Sorry, about Brian. the drive and Ernest Biner and the fumble. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's all. That's all right. I've gotten over that one. It's, nice. There's been enough time. Nice. Okay. Good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've we've seen Gary Kubiak. We've seen plenty of Gary Kubiak and what his offense is. And the reason that he's not in Denver anymore is, you know, the the fact that so much time has passed. So much of the NFL the the game has been modernized and yet Gary Kubiak is kind of doing the same thing that he's always done with his offense that that failure to adapt has me pretty nervous about the Vikings offense all of a sudden so so yeah I mean I don't I don't hate either of these um and I'm very intrigued by Matthew Stafford um Kirk Cousins is somebody who I would love to to believe in and I'm gonna try throughout this offseason but Right at the moment, it's uh, it's feeling like QB10 might be a little optimistic. Um, just to give you numbers on Kirk Cousins' second half, from weeks 9 through 17, he was the QB19. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's when they were running an offense that they actually – that's what they want to be doing. You know, that's yep. when Dalvin Cook was healthy. That's when the defense was, you know, was – doing what it's built to do which is in all honesty put that offense put that passing offense in a pretty negative game script and then you just you win the game with the running game that's that's what they want to do and that's what Gary Kubiak's going to try and do as well and uh I you know it it, it does kind of muddy the water for Kirk Cousins so 
You know what's crazy about that, guys? Is uh, real quick. I'm sorry. I just what's crazy about that is when you think back to the Vikings season, it feels like they were better earlier in the season when they were throwing it more, uh, and they were definitely targeting targeting Thielen more. But it felt it felt like that team was at least more competitive than they were in the second half of the year, and that's when you know we're all saying that they were playing like they want to. Maybe they got to change the way they want to play because I really feel like they were a better team the first half of these the the season, at least more competitive, and in those games a little bit more than they were in the second half. Am I wrong on that? Or no, I I, I think I agree. I, I would have to look at the game logs, but <clears throat> um, the the funny thing is. Kirk Cousins actually had a decent season. He threw for 30 touchdowns. He only had 10 interceptions. Threw for almost 4,300 yards. So it's not like he had a bad season. And that and that's something else we need to take into account is that last season, the quarterback production took a gigantic jump. So guys that would have had QB1 seasons or even top five seasons were finishing like QB15, 16, which was wild this season. Um, but yeah, I, I think I can agree with that, but I, I, with this team, it's always been kind of run first and, and you're right. They probably need to change their philosophy, but when you're bringing in guys like Kubiak who build their offenses around zone running, it doesn't look like they're going to. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I think, I think you guys are right that. You know, it's kind of a clear sign on what they what they want to do and where they want to go, and it's unfortunate, I think. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't be. But um, I don't know. That's in the best interest of the of the team, at least not from what we saw last year. But um, yeah. So, John, you got some quarterbacks that you want to discuss too, right? Yeah. Some buys and sells. Yeah, I've got one of each for you, and I'll just get through them real quick. Um, there's there's not a ton to say, but I mean, Carson Wentz, quarterback eight is my buy that feels way too low you know it's it feels like the the drop is kind of predicated on the idea that he's going to miss you know the last few games of every single season and you know Nick Foles is going to come in and or you know whoever it ends up being is the new backup is going to come in and and just run the offense the exact same way that Carson Wentz does and and I don't I don't buy that uh, I think that Nick Foles is a particularly good fit for the system that they run. And uh, I I also think that at some point you're going to see Carson Wentz just, you know, be able to, to give you a full season. So I, 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 don't, I don't like that, you know, his cost right now is reflecting the, the fact that he missed the first few games of the season and the last few games of the season. That's that's not something to me that's predictive. So, uh, yeah, so he's a buy for me. And then I'm selling Jared Goff. And actually, I think after what we just saw of him in the Super Bowl, he's probably going to drop anyways. Right now he's going as quarterback five, which is just too high for me. It's nothing necessarily against Jared Goff. It's just, you know, when you've got him going ahead of Carson Wentz, ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Cam Newton with, a, you know, with the caveat of a full bill of health, I, I can't get on board with that at all. You know, Jared Goff, for me, is, is more in the – you could really swap those two 
and uh and that would be more appropriate to me but i have a feeling that that's going to happen i have a feeling that after the super bowl that jared goff just had even though that shouldn't necessarily be held against him that was the perfect game plan by the new england patriots but just the the recency bias is going to push him down probably to where he should be and maybe even beyond and turn him into a buy but at quarterback five he's a sell for me any issues sitting here kind of debating on whether or not I do. I don't on golf, that's for sure. Um, if you can get, you know, what you should be able to get for a top five quarterback in a super flex league, um, I would definitely consider moving him because I think his value is probably higher now than it will be, you know, at, at any point. So, um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're right on with him, and I think his uh, his value is, is trending downward and will be throughout the course of the offseason. Carson went still scares me a little bit man it's not the fact that he had he had a down year um i mean that has a little bit to do with it but it's the fact that he had a down year and you know early in the year this team struggled but when nick Foles came in later in the year i mean it basically seemed like it was just as easy as throwing the ball to alshon jeffrey and like getting the ball outside the hashes and they weren't doing that and and it seemed like when nick Foles came in you know this team caught fire a little bit and i just didn't see that same passion that they played with with Carson Wentz, we've heard some potential issues about him as a teammate, and I know that the team in general, again, has come out and really had his back and said that, that those aren't issues, but I, you just wonder kind of where that came from. Was that just a Super Bowl hangover? Um, you know, is he, is he going to be back to his former self, or, it, you know, is, is there more there that, uh, that, that we should be concerned about? So I, my concerns with him, uh, with Carson Wentz, have me a little bit hesitant to take him over some of the other guys. Um, looking at the, looking at the, the rankings though, I mean, you can definitely make a case for taking them over Goff. You can definitely make a case for taking them over Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, you know, when you're talking about a top eight quarterback, moving them up two spots, you know, is, is pretty significant. So, um, I don't know that I have a huge problem with it, but I, I definitely am reserved a little bit more when it comes to Wentz than you are, John. What do you think, Stompy? Yeah. Um, Carson, I so the funny thing is Carson Wentz is down year. The only thing that was really down where is touchdowns. And that's not going to be a sticky stat. Obviously, uh, his 33 touchdowns, his touchdown rate in 2017 was bound to drop. But in eight of his 11 games he played this season, he broke basically he had 23 or more fantasy points and then the other three he had below 20 but so it's not like he had a terrible season and like i said we have to take it this into context that yeah he didn't have an elite season but he had a but this season was seemed like an oddity to me in terms of quarterbacks i i i don't buy that Foles is the heart and soul of this team, Carson, Carson Wentz is far and away a better quarterback. And I just, I can't believe that he's not going to bounce back, especially a, a year, another year removed from a very bad ACL injury. So, and I think we have to take that into context too, is he was coming back from an ACL injury. So I, th- I expect him to be definitely fighting for that top five finish next season. And then I, I'm absolutely on board with Jared Goff. Um, they're going to be a run first team. He was just very efficient this season. And that team was just very efficient overall in scoring. And I don't know if he can do that again. 
Nice. Nice and easy. Let's get to running backs, and we'll rock through these a little bit because uh, I have a feeling that uh, just by looking at our lists, um, one particular buy for Stompy is a sell for me. And so, uh, and then me and James are going to fight a little bit here. Yeah. yeah oh, you, yeah. You guys, yeah, you guys have a, some disagreements as well. So um, in order to kind of save some time for, for those, let's, uh, let's rock through these running backs. Uh, as much as we can and uh, like i said save ourselves a little bit of time so start with you james you got it we'll go quick here uh my buy is Le'Veon bell right now he's running back 11 and i i, I guess i just don't understand a lot of the hate on Le'Veon bell i think a lot of people just didn't like the fact that he sat out last year and i almost think they hold that against him and his 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 value um at running back 11 he's going behind guys like james connor david johnson nick chubb Look, Le'Veon Bell is 26 years old. It feels like he's 30, but he's 26. He just had a year where he he there was no wear and tear. I mean, the guy didn't have a carry. Um, he's going to end up being a focal point of an offense because someone's going to throw money at him. And if you're going to throw that much money at him, uh, you know you're going to use him. So I'm I'm all on board with Le'Veon Bell. I would take him at running back 11. I think he finishes the year as a top five running back again and uh, really kind of builds his his value up again uh, this year. The guy I'm selling is Alvin Kamara, and I like Alvin Kamara, man. I really do, and this one kind of hurt to put on there. But running back three to me is a bit rich. I mean, I, the guys that are below him that I would take over him, uh, Ezekiel Elliott is running back four. I would take him over Kamara. Christian McCaffrey's a guy I think I'd take over Kamara. And Melvin Gordon I would take over Kamara too. Um, so... I, I mean, I, I'd have Kamara at six, you know, and I, I think that's a nice spot for him. But I, there are guys below him that I would take ahead of him. And it's just based on, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking that, oh, you know, Mark Ingram's gone. And when Mark Ingram was gone in a very short sample size, Elvin Kamara was awesome. Um, so he's he's going to be that again. I think if you're buying him at running back three, that's his absolute peak. Um, and I don't know that I'd be willing to pay that for him uh, with the guys that are going below him. So, uh, all right, guys. Go ahead and open up. Uh, open up your thoughts. What do you got? Go ahead, John. I, I'm gonna. I'm getting myself ready. He's gonna <laughs> stew for a minute here. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good with these. Yeah, I mean, I think that people's concern with Le'Veon Bell is just where does he land and what does it mean once he gets there. And it's, I mean, he's going to have a role. You know, somebody's going to sign him to be their feature back, to be their their bell cow, to be their three down back. There's a good chance that Houston is – I, I think that they're going to be in the running. I think that Baltimore is going to be in the running. And those are two excellent situations where they could definitely kind of consolidate everything that they've got in their backfield into one guy. And So as soon as that happens, Le'Veon Bell, is, his, his ADP is going to skyrocket. So, yeah, go ahead and buy him now. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Alvin Kamara – it, I, I'm not, I'm not too far off on that one. I mean, I, I've got him at, at running back five, so you know he's 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 not too far off. I think he's okay where he's at. Um, the only, I mean, I would sell him because he's a running back, and that's what I do. But beyond that, <laughs> I don't. It, I, 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 not him in particular, just running backs in general. All right, James, you ready? <laughs> ding, ding. I don't by, know that I'll ever be ready, but here we go. By God, that Stompy's music. All right. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so I don't Le'Veon Bell is kind of hard to gauge for me. I think I I don't necessarily agree with the top five finish. I think he's going where he should with concerns around his offensive line um, and really future in general because there are rumors that he might sit out another year and focus on his rap career. I don't necessarily buy that, but that rumor exists. Um, and, and it really matters where he's going. I, I, like, like John said, I think he's going to have a role. I don't know what that role means. I definitely buy him finishing top 10. I just don't know if he'll ever reach that top five um, threshold again, especially with the young talent that exists today. Now, here we go with Alvin Kamara. <laughs> Many of you may know Alvin Kamara is my guy. My girlfriend actually bought me a signed mini helmet by Alvin Kamara for our three-year anniversary. So that tells you a little bit. And I'm a Broncos fan, so that tells you a bit, little bit about how much I love Alvin Kamara. He finished as the RB4 this season, and that's back-to-back seasons. Now his efficiency definitely came down. He dropped from a 6.1 yards per attempt to 4.6. Um, and his yards per reception also dropped from 10.2 to 8.8. And I think that was an expected, considering that it was a historically efficient season. Yeah, yeah. However, through the first four weeks of the season without... Uh, Mark Ingram, he was the, not not just the RB1, he was the number one overall scoring player in fantasy football in the first four weeks. Mark Ingram's a free agent. Now, Sean Payton said, we won't, we won't use Alvin Kamara as a bell cow, but they absolutely used Alvin Kamara as a bell cow in those first four weeks. So, while I think the Saints will likely be looking for somebody who can run between the tackles, the fact remains is that Kamara's touches went up, and you could see an, you can see another bump in touches again this season. Now I don't think his targets will go up all that much because he had a hundred targets his rookie season, one hundred and five in his sophomore season, but he saw seventy four more carries. I definitely can see him breaking over two hundred carries, and. I think he's going exactly where he should be. And honestly, he could compete to be the RB1. Now, that's kind of blasphemous, especially with Saquon Barkley. But like I said, Kamara, given the short time span that he was the bell cow for the Saints, was the top scoring fantasy player. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you you bring up uh, a lot of good points there. But first off, I... I just want to. I I acknowledge that when he. Nope, was, you hate him. Nope, he, you hate him. <laughs> that, now we're now you sound like Travis. All right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I I do want to acknowledge though. He, yeah, no, he he was really good those first four weeks. My problem is, is taking a four week sample size and trying to project as, you know, moving forward. This is what we can expect from him. Um, and I don't think you did that. I, you know, obviously if you did, then he would be a slam dunk RB one for you. So, um, but I, I just, I, I would just approach it with caution, especially because I really feel like the saints are going to approach this off season, knowing that they have to upgrade some skill positions on that offense. Um, outside of Michael Thomas, they really didn't have a legitimate number two wide receiver. 
Traquan Smith, who, uh, while I'm very high on Traquan Smith, he was not that guy, um, and he didn't prove to be that guy. Ted Ginn got hurt, and even when he came back, I don't know that he was that guy. Kirkwood, you know, was uh, wasn't the most reliable. And then at tight end, you had Ben Watson, who who didn't do a whole lot. And then when he was hurt, you know, we we just didn't see. I mean, th- they didn't have options. So Michael Thomas and Ivan Kamara got force fed the ball. And I guess it, it kind of comes down to this. For me, I'm higher on Michael Thomas than I am Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas is my wide receiver one in uh, in Dynasty, and I think that he will get force-fed the ball before Kamara. Now, I could totally be wrong on that, but that's part of the reason why I'm moving Kamara down a little bit in my ranking. So uh, that's where I'm at with that. What are we you, just going to you... skip over this fire take of Michael Thomas as the wide receiver one? Just skip yeah. over that. Huh? I'm just gonna toss he's... this in here real quick. <laughs> I, I didn't even think that was fire. I thought that was like, I thought that I mean, was that's fire to me. Pretty common, <laughs> no? I, I mean, okay, maybe maybe fire strong. It, I think it's pretty bold. I I can't I can't personally do that. Um, because I think DeAndre Hopkins has just shown way too much. Um. And then I have Adams is number uh, Devonte Adams is number two. I don't know. He, Thomas was just too inconsistent for me throughout the season. So I mean that's tough. That that one's tough for me to swallow a little bit. We'll get to, we'll get to that in a different episode for sure. Yes. We, we definitely we definitely want to talk about that a little bit. But um, John, am I am I as nuts as Stompy's making this out to be? Is is Alvin Kamara? Um, I mean I know you said he was he was you know kind of in line with you. Is that is that is that about right? I mean, I I don't have him. Like I said, he's running back three right now. I've got him at six. You said you've got him at five. I mean, I don't. I think you're kind of splitting hairs when you when you oh, take yeah. a running back that high, you know. Just but if I'm moving him down three spots, to me that's significant enough. Um, you've got him. You've got him two spots lower than its current ADP. Would you, if you had to move him, would you move him up or down from that spot, John? I think he could go up for me from RB five. So. It, yeah, it's um, yeah. RB three feels a little high, but uh, RB two, baby. Really? <laughs> yeah. I got Saquon. I got Saquon, and then Kamara, especially with the Todd Gurley stuff going on. Really? Okay. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Where's uh, McCaffrey for you? That one. That one's a little tough. Because I mean, here's the thing: we we can talk about this all day, but. You're not going to go wrong in those top five. So the top five being Saquon, uh, Gurley, Kamara, McCaffrey, and Zeke. And really, you could probably consider top six with Gordon. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really – my personal rankings are Barkley, uh, Kamara, Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke. But again, I I, I more wanted to have the fight to have the fight. Yeah, because <laughs> um, like I said, you you're not going to go wrong with those top five. I think they all have their downsides, especially going into this season. Uh, but again, like like James said, it's it's really splitting hairs at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, you wanted to fight, so let's hear your running backs because oh, right. <laughs> it's coming. All right, my bye. Devonte Freeman. Yeah, he's my cell. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is going as the RB twenty 
this season. And I just, I think that's very low. And I think the main argument around this is going to be injuries and whether he can stay on the field or not. But I'm going to read you his fantasy finishes over the past three healthy seasons he's had. RB1 in 2015, RB6 in 2016, RB13 in 2017. In 2017, he only played uh, 14 games. Now, that seems like a bad trend. I I mean, it, it, it varies. So our, the difference between RB1 and RB6 isn't that big of a difference to me. Um, so basically, what it comes down to is when the Heat win healthy, Freeman is one of the most productive backs in the league. He is an RB, basically an RB1 um, automatically. And now he, he's had concussion issues, and then he had knee issues at the end of 2017 and then to start 2018 and ultimately having to go on the IR. And I think that is obviously the biggest concern. But I believe that given basically an entire season off, it takes some of the wear and tear off of his legs, lets him rest, lets him get that knee right. There is no real threatening back in the Atlanta Falcons backfield anymore. Tevin Coleman is gone. He's a free agent this season. They're not going to bring him back because he's going to cost too much. Ito Smith is... He had a pedestrian rookie season. I think he can be something. He's not going to be Tevin Coleman, though. So what that means, and and I, uh, the um, Falcons still owe Freeman a lot of money. So what this means is that Freeman is basically the only viable back in that backfield um, going forward. So given, we'll just say, 250 touches potentially 250 touches this season, I believe he's back in that RB1 conversation. And for back-end RB2 um, ADP, perfectly fine with that. Yeah, if he gets there, I could see that. 250 is a lot to ask for a guy with his, first of all, with his injury history and just in the last in the last couple of years. And, and, I mean, a big part of it is the the concussions that's where those start to build up and they keep you out longer and longer each time it happens it's a it's a violent position that he plays you know running into the line that's where the concussions can really catch up with you in the first place but then yeah i mean when they're getting worse with each one and he's already at a high number of them that's that's my number one concern where how does he get on the field and stay on the field. Number two is the offense itself. Dirt Cutter takes back over as the offensive coordinator. From 2012 through 2018, Dirt Cutter has one running back. Uh, he he produced one running back inside the top 10, mm-hmm. inside the top 18, in fact, um, the top 17. He had a, an RB18 in 2012. But he had one, and it was in Tampa Bay. He had Doug Martin finish as a running back one as the number four overall. Beyond that, I mean, it's it's a lot of 20s and 30s and as low as 50s 
um, between Tampa Bay and Atlanta. It's it's not been pretty. And, I mean, part of that is the offense that he runs. Part of that is the committee approach, which I do think you're going to see. I don't know who is going to be – who else is going to be on that depth chart. You know, it, it looks like it's not going to be Tevin Coleman, although I wouldn't be shocked to see him make a return. But it, it, they're they're going to bring in somebody. And if they draft somebody, I mean, this, this – uh, gets completely blown out of the water if they if they bring in a free agent to just kind of you know just kind of spell Devonte freeman you know maybe a tj yeldon could be a good fit there um you know possibly jay ajayi that that could be the type of of backfield that you know they'd be comfortable with a committee approach but if they draft somebody it's likely to be the starter it's likely to be the guy who ultimately supplants devonta freeman because they don't trust devonta freeman's health and i mean they they have to bring in somebody there's no way there there isn't a viable running back one on that roster and to me that includes Devontae well there, freeman. there is no there is you you shush up now <laughs> that to me that includes devonta freeman based on the fact that like i said you don't know when and for how long he's going to be on the field. So I mean you have to you have to have a contingency plan for that. And they're going to bring somebody in and it could easily be somebody who who beats him out for the job. Yeah, I I don't know if I necessarily buy that because especially um 2019 he's got a 9 million dollar cap hit, 6.75 million dollar or sorry, $6.75 million cap hit, $9 million dead cap. And then 2020, he's got $9.5 million cap hit, $6 million dead cap. That's a lot of money to be paying a, a, backup. Part, a backup or even just a, a committee back. Um, and, and, really, and that 250 number uh, comes from those three healthy seasons. I mean, even in his injury-shortened uh 2017 he he got 243 touches so i mean granted i think both sides of this argument are ifs there's a lot of ifs involved in this i'm betting on the positive side of that if and you're betting on the negative side of that if Um, yeah yeah to me at running back 20 you're buying him at his ceiling and 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 that's where I think we disagree. Is I think his ceiling is given given two hundred and fifty touches. His ceiling is definitely an RB one. Yeah, yeah. Which which is probably true. I just I don't see two hundred and fifty touches. But yeah. So I that that really kind of clears up the argument. It comes. It all comes down to can the guy stay on the field. Yep. And and what they do in free agency and in the draft is going to be very telling about how comfortable they feel with him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little too early. It, it the the real answer here might be that Devonta Freeman is a hold right at the moment. It might be a little too early to to determine, sure, you know his what his value is going to be. But I think we're going to learn a lot from what the Atlanta Falcons do in the off season. Well, yeah. and, and, and oh, sorry, go ahead, James. No, I was just I was just going to add real quick. I, I think Atlanta 
as in general, has to fix that offensive line because they were not good this year. Um, they were ranked one of the worst run-blocking offensive lines this year. Um, Tevin Coleman uh, typically was hit uh, behind the line of scrimmage um, as much as almost any back in, in the league this year. So um, they, they, they're they going to have to get better because even if Devontae Freeman is healthy, if they're not better, um, unless he's making multiple people miss, you know, he's he's going to be in for a long year. So I think that's first and foremost. It's whoever's running behind it, that, that offensive line. Uh, to have any chance that that team is going to have to fix what they're doing offensively um, up front to to give any any of those guys a chance at succeeding. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. And and I I actually have Tevin Coleman as a, a sell here. Let me let me go through this list real quick. I I kind of cheated. I didn't do one per. Um, yeah, I, I'm, ta- I, I'm taking I, I over the. Us, I'm take- I drug us into dark waters right away as soon as you said Devontae. <laughs> yep. I am I am taking over this podcast. This is my podcast now. <laughs> that, that um, <laughs> uh, so I also have uh, Ronald Jones as a buy at RB37. As a second-round NFL pick, I just can't believe that they're not going to give him as many chances as possible. I think if used correctly, he will be a very good player. He ju- You just need to get him out in space um, using like outside zone runs and stuff. Let him, and, and he also needs to learn how to catch the ball. And I think Bruce Arians is the perfect guy to do that because he's worked with very uh, good pass catching backs in Le'Veon Bell and um, David Johnson. So I think Rojo will get a, a chance to do well this season. And I think RB37 is very low, and I think he could do some stuff uh, in Tampa Bay. Um, are, you a, are, are you a draft capital guy? Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Not, not entirely, but the narrative is there for draft capital. Yes. Okay, that's a little bit of a cop out, but that's okay. Um, well, it, it's it's. I mean, it's a major indicator. I mean, we can talk to guys like Peter Howard. It's a, it's a major indicator of whether a guy is going to be successful or not. Because NFL teams, the the NFL teams that invest higher draft picks on players will give those players more chances than those they invest lower draft picks on. I mean, that's just kind of, that's a pretty well-known thing in the NFL. Hmm. And let's be honest. I don't, I, I don't think Ronald Jones had any opportunity. Oh, really. no. So, so, I mean, I don't think we know good or bad. Right. And, and we turn, we, tur- we talk about dirt cutter. I mean, we just talked about dirt cutter. <laughs> and this is going to go against my argument for Don Devonte Freeman, but I don't care. <laughs> nice. um, he's he hasn't been the best coach, offensive coach, when it comes to running backs, and we can't say that Peyton Barber looked great last season. Neither did that Tampa Bay offensive line. But I think a different scheme and a better offensive mind in Bruce Arians will allow Rojo to ex what well, maybe not excel, but will allow him to take a step forward as a running back this season. Um, so for my cells and I'll skip over Philip Lindsay real quick. I'll talk about Tevin Coleman. Uh, James talked about the bad blocking run blocking from the Atlanta Falcons, which definitely did not help Tevin Coleman's stock this season. I know before the season, he was probably going for, a mid to late first round rookie pick. And uh, you'd be lucky, very lucky to get even an early second round rookie pick at this point. And 
I think this is a hold then sell for me. I don't think Tevin Coleman's ever going to be the an RB one that we want in this um, league. He's still, I mean, he's finished three straight seasons as an RB two, I believe, and that's great. But the num the the value that you're getting from him is not matching or the value the value that he is at right now is not matching his production and he definitely hurt his stock this season so what i would be doing is waiting for free agency um and then selling waiting for him to to see where he signs hopefully you see a value bump and then selling um and then uh like i i skipped over philip Lindsay. i just wanted to go into this a little bit and john can chime in as well as a broncos fan I love Philip Lindsay. I think he was great this season. I think he will be good moving forward. But there's some hesitation there because he is a smaller back. Now, I don't necessarily buy the, the size narrative because we've seen smaller backs uh, excel in the NFL. But he just had uh, wrist surgery, which should keep him out four to five months, which will likely put him up. A, I mean, he, he'll likely miss off-season workouts we could see him not i mean participating lightly in training camp and we'll see what happens to start the season but we they brought in a new regime we don't they don't have any loyalty to the running backs that exist and devon or and uh royce freeman has a third round draft capital so there's a lot of question marks surrounding philip Lindsay and what he is my bet would be that, or not my bet, but my hope is that they use a running back by, by committee and they take the ball out of Case Keenum's hands and they let they run the ball thirty plus times a game, which gives Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman plenty of work between them, and a lot, and and I hope they allow Philip Lindsay to get out in space and catch balls, but. I'm just concerned at that RB18 value that he is not going to return that next season um, if they're going to use Royce Freeman more. What do you think, John? You got any thoughts? Um, I definitely do. We we probably need to run through these uh, quite a bit faster after this. Get out of here. Everybody wants to hear <laughs> us talk about football. Uh, I don't know. Philip Lindsay, I'm mostly on board with that. Um, I mean, I feel like draft capital kind of snuck in there again without oh, actually did. saying it. <laughs> no, it did. <laughs> and uh, since we are short on time, I'll have to yell at you about that one next week. But um, I, I, I don't buy into the draft capital side of this when it comes to Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. In fact, I mean that to me, it's a knock against Royce Freeman. You know, the fact that they the previous regime used a third round pick on this guy, and yet the undrafted free agent was is actually the better back. You know, that's that's a far bigger indictment on Royce Freeman to me. Um, but there's a major wrist injury here that Philip Lindsay's dealing with, and we're not totally sure how long that's going to keep him out. And then, and I do agree with the, his size being, you know, a cause for concern long-term. Um, that's uh, that's in, in his efficiency, you know, that's not something that's really 
sustainable. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I I, I think that you're kind of onto something. I the the only thing that I would say is to me now is the time to sell Tevin Coleman. I don't think he's going to land in as good a situation as people think, and I think that his value is going to drop once he does sign. I I mean this could be kind of a Demarco Murray situation from a few years ago where he had to beg the Philadelphia Eagles to finally sign him. And, you know, he just could not find a landing spot. And I, I I could see that happening again with Tevin Coleman. You know, we, we always talk about Jarek McKinnon and the situation that he found himself in as a free agent last year. But we totally just gloss over the fact that, you know, all the other running backs in free agency last year were it, they, they landed in some some spots that you know that didn't do anything for their fantasy value and I, to me that's the most likely scenario this and this is something i've kind of been talking about for several weeks now but the running back position in the nfl is just so oversaturated right now and there are more of them coming there's going to be a handful of guys drafted in the nfl draft who are also going to command you know, some significant roles on NFL teams. There's just not a whole lot of reason to even sign a free agent running back. You know, when you can get, you can get a guy in the draft and they're so much cheaper, Tevin Coleman and Jay Ajayi, they're going to command, you know, pretty, pretty big contracts. Um, Obviously Le'Veon Bell is going to be the prize in free agency, but you know, that, that next, here it and it's tevin coleman it's jay ajayi it's tj yeldon those guys are they're going to be looking for a huge payday and i don't know that they're going to get it i think that it's gonna they're going to be sitting and waiting by the phone for quite a while before they finally get that call and i don't think that they're going to get the money or the role that we're kind of expecting i don't think that exists anymore at least not right now in in the nfl right at the moment yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think uh, I will say this. You know, last year was considered a pretty deep running back class, whereas this year's running back class isn't seen nearly as um, to to have the depth that last year's did um, and the top end talent. So, I, I would say that that probably had something to do with the free agent market being so so you know so bad for some of these running backs. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's the case this year, but it, it, you're right. It's still oversaturated. The, the position is, I don't think Tevin Coleman's anything special. I don't think he's a special running back by any means. Um, so I could, I could easily see him being part of a committee and his value going down. Um, so I, I, I mean, he, he, I, I could also see, you know, uh, Stompy's point of view of, you know, holding for now. And then once he signs, you know, you can, you can hopefully deal him at that point if he does wind up in a better situation, but I, I don't know that that's that's the case. Um, but I, I definitely think he's a sell. I agree with you guys there. Um, Philip Lindsay to me is not a sell, guys. I'm, I'm not selling him. I'm okay with him at running back eighteen, about eighteen to twenty. Um, a low end running back too. I, I think I'm okay with that. I, I think he can produce that, especially when he's standing next to or behind Drew Locke um, in that offense next year. Uh, I, I, I think like Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I yeah. actually hate it unless they really? draft him in second. If they reach for him in the first, I'm going to scream. Oh, oh, wow, okay. 
Is is there a quarterback? Sorry to to totally uh, derail us here, James. But is no. there is there a quarterback that you would rather see Stompy at, at number ten? I mean, I, I think I would take like Haskins. Yeah, I think I'd be okay with Haskins. I just I think there's too many questions with Drew Locke in terms of his accuracy. He he he's a prototypical. Elway back and that or or quarterback and that scares me because what have the last two prototypical John Elway quarterbacks done for the Broncos? Yeah, very true. But yeah. back back on to <laughs> <running back. laughs> yeah. no that that was really all I had to say was for the most part I, I think Phil Lindsay can return that value. Um, I like him a lot and I I think everyone knows from listening you know all the all the people that listened last year I'm not high on Royce Freeman. And uh, I, I think, look, I, it, here's, here's the way the NFL draft is to me almost. It's almost like, okay, I, I'm going to put in, uh, you know, 250, let's say, um, envelopes into a barrel. And I'm going to let everyone know, hey, the red envelopes, um, you have the best chance of hitting a home run with. The green envelopes, those, you know, are the next best chance. And then there's a bunch of yellow envelopes, right? And those have a very, very small chance of hitting, right? So... I'm going to, if everyone gets to pick, you know, they're first going to take all the red envelopes. So those are the first round picks. And to me, you have a better chance hitting on those because, you know, I, you, you just, there's more selection there. There's, you know, that, that talent dries up. So once all the red envelopes are gone, you get to the second and third round, you get some of the green envelopes, right? And people are taking those because why would you take a yellow envelope at that point, right? And then at the end of the draft, you're taking yellow envelopes and anything that's left uh, over, you know, un- undrafted free agents, you're grabbing a few yellow envelopes, right? Once you open those envelopes, if you open a yellow envelope and it's a hit and, and you get a hit, you get, you know, a, there's a $10 bill in there and, you know, all the other yellow envelopes have pennies, I, you're not going to trade that yellow envelope, that, that card. Once you've opened it and you know it's a $10 bill, you're not going to trade that for, you know, a red card that somebody got that had a five in it. You're just not. And so... To me, that's kind of how the NFL draft works. You know what you have in Philip Lindsay now. He kind of showed it a little bit. You know the talent that he possesses, and you kind of saw what Royce Freeman did. And I don't, I don't know that there's any reason to change that up. I think Philip Lindsay should be the bell cow going forward, and I, I, I'm all on board with him. I'm, I wouldn't buy him at that at that price, but if I had him, I would hold him. I, I don't think I would sell him um, at running back 18 to 20 in that area. So. Uh, that's the only the only real issue I, I take with any of those though, Stompy, to be honest with you. All right. Well let's get to uh oh I, I guess I've got some running backs. So I already <laughs> told you my cell, Devonta Freeman. We already went over that. So the quick easy one. My buy is Jalen Richard. He's going as running back sixty three. Right at the moment, he's the only running back on the Oakland Raiders roster with a defined role. He also might be the best pass catcher on that entire team. So, yeah, running back 63 is uh, extremely, extremely low um, for a guy who very well could have a very a, a very big role, especially for PPR purposes um, in uh, 2019. Yeah, I completely agree. He will finish as the RB29 this season. Um, and I don't think you're going to point to a back that's going to be a three down back there. I I really like Chris Warren, but he's not really a pass catcher. So yeah, definitely think he's at the very Jalen Rossard's at the very least probably going 
could at least compete for an RB3, and you're getting them at basically RB6. Yep, I agree. Definitely an awesome buy there, John. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Nice. Well, let's finish this off with some pass catchers, and we'll go back to James uh, for some buys and sells. Yeah, I'm going to go pretty quick here. Uh, my buy is Cooper Cup. Um, right now, uh, he's going at wide receiver 20. Uh, I think that this is a, a higher-end wide receiver, too. I would feel really confident having him moving forward. I think we saw the Rams' offense without him, and it, it wasn't good. And uh, I, I think that the trust that Jared Goff has in him um, shows. I think he is he is Jared Goff's Julian Edelman. He, he really is. He's kind of that guy that... Uh, Goff feels comfortable going to. He knows where he's going to be at all times. He's boring because he doesn't make those big flashy plays. But, you know, at the end of the game, when you look at his stats, you go, oh, wow, the guy had 140 yards receiving and he found the end zone once. And, you know, I think those are the kind of numbers you can kind of expect from him when he's healthy. So um, I'm buying Cooper Cup. I'm selling Amari Cooper, which should be no shock to anyone. Um, I don't know that Dak Prescott can can. Right now he's wide receiver nine. And I don't know that Dak Prescott can support wide receiver nine in this offense. I think Zeke eats. I think this defense keeps them competitive. I don't think that they have to be a throw-first type of offense. And even when they do drop back to pass, there's going to be a lot of times when Dak Prescott's going to run the ball. I like the emergence of Michael Gallup, too. Um, and so I think with with all that working against Amari Cooper, I think it's hard for him to be a top-10 wide receiver this year. So those are my uh, buys and sells. Am I, am I way off base, guys, or what? I think I can, I think I can agree with both of them. The one thing I'll say about Cooper Cup is very wary, especially of his first half of 2019. We've seen a lot of players struggle coming off of ACL injuries. Uh, Dalvin Cook being the most recent, they deal with soft tissue injuries, compensation injuries, and we might see Cooper Cup struggle in the first half of the season. So he might be a extra buy in the middle of the 2019 season if he starts uh, if he struggles the first half of the season yeah good call very nice what do you think john am i am i crazy on these no no i'm down with both of these i I, amari cooper i think is close but it's it's still a little bit high so yeah i would be i'd be selling him as the wide receiver nine overall so who do you got stompy for uh buys and sells (laughs) at the pass catchers um, well, I, I have a list, but I'll just pick uh, <laughs> one for each. Um, no, let's hear them I, all. I, I like well, this list, so I want to hear okay. all yeah. of them. Yeah, I do so too. My favorite buy this offseason for wide receiver is Albert Wilson. Love it. Uh, yeah, me too. Devontae, Devontae Parker is has a zero dead cap hit, and uh, he's been awful. We'll just say that he's been an awful wide receiver since he's been in the league. I can't believe that they're going to keep him on for a fifth year. Uh, Danny Amendola also has a zero cap dead cap hit and he will cost them $6 million if he stays on the roster. He is also 33 years old and has been off, off injured though. He wasn't this season and he was actually relatively effective regardless Albert Wilson was having the most of his most effective um, season as a pro. He had his highest yards per game, highest catch rate. Um, he was on pace for his highest total yards, highest touchdowns. I can keep going. Uh, the fact remains is that he was an effective wide receiver and with uh, probably a decent amount of targets opening up, uh, 
this season and coming off of a hip injury, I just, I think he is bound to be at least a wide receiver three. And you're looking um, at wide receiver five numbers. And I just, I, I love that. I, I think, and he's been, he's been efficient the last two seasons. So um, I, he's, he's my buy this or sorry he's going to be he's going for wide receiver six prices he's wide receiver 68 so he's he's been he's my favorite wide receiver by this offseason um the other one is Allen robinson and i believe you guys have talked about Allen robinson before he ended the season a lot better he looked good in the playoffs um and here's the thing he is this was his first season coming off of an acl tear in a new offense with a sophomore quarterback. So really, we shouldn't have expected a ton from him in season one in this offense. We also, there, there's a general understanding that wide receivers who switch teams in free agency uh, struggle in their first season with the team. So there was some light at the end of the tunnel there, um, him looking good at the back half of the season, uh, and him being able to work f- another offseason with Mitch Trubisky, I just think that he will take a step forward um, this offseason or, or this season. He's going as wide receiver 25, um, and there's just there's a lot of guys ahead of him that I'm taking, I'm taking Robinson ahead of. So I, I'm not a fan of Jarvis Landry. Calvin Ridley I'm not a fan of. Well, I, I like Calvin Redley, but he's just too inconsistent. We'll see what Cortland Sutton does. Um, AJ Green is iffy at this point. I'm not a fan of Brandon Cooks. There's just there. I think he can finish wide receiver 18 or better this season. Um, especially, like I said, with another year with Trubisky and another year in this system. And then finally, my tight end buy is Chris Herndon. I know John likes Chris Herndon. Um, Herndon had a quietly good season this season. Uh, he finished as the tight end 16, but I believe he was a top 12 tight end in consistency. He is going currently at tight end 16, but with the landscape at tight end, uh, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable saying that he could be a tight end one this season, especially with the pass catchers with the Jets. We don't really necessarily know what's going on. We know Quincy and Noon was probably back. I don't know about Robbie Anderson, and then who else is there? So he he was a red zone threat for Sam Darnold. He seemed like a safety valve, and then there's a bunch of guys ahead of him: Trey Burton, Dallas Godert, which that's kind of befuddles me that he's going as the TE 10 Rob Gronkowski is going as TE nine. There's a lot of guys ahead of him that I am taking Herndon above. So I'm buying Herndon this uh, season as well or this off season. And then um, my cells, and this is, <laughs> this is where we might get in a little bit of trouble, but I also wrote about two of these guys. So I'm just going for it. Uh, Adam Thielen. There was talk last season that he was the wide receiver one in dynasty after his eight straight perform eight straight 100 yard performances, which is absolutely bananas. And uh, I know John has kind of railed on, we are too hasty and shifting our rankings 
um, especially in Dynasty, that was the exhibit A of that. Yeah, that's the um, example for sure. Because like, people that had to pay ridiculous amounts to get Adam Thielen midseason, and now where are you at? <laughs> you know, like you you took a huge bath on that one. Yeah, and I don't even know where he. Oh, he was the wide receiver 26 in the second half of the season. So wide receiver won the first half, wide receiver 26 the second half. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about why I don't like Kirk Cousins. And you, you saw both Cousins and Thielen dip in the second half of the season. And I think that has in, was in large part due to them running the ball more. And he's also 28 years old. And this is, this is wild to me. I'm, I'm 30 and I'm talking about some of these players being old, even though they're younger than me. That's always crazy to me. I'm getting old boys. Um, (laughs) It happens. So, yeah. So I just, I trust Diggs more in that offense. And I just don't know what to make of Thielen. I think 20, I mean, we could probably expect what he did in 2017 again, but I don't think you can, I think you're at his ceiling now. And I think you need to sell him before he starts to drop down. Um, now here's the most controversial one, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown will be 31 this season. He turns 31 12 days after I do. So there's that. Um, he he's still he's been the most productive receiver probably of all time over a given stretch. Um, I believe over the past six seasons, and it's hard to say sell him. But at the same time, we're having issues with drama in the locker room for Pittsburgh. We don't know if he's going to be in Pittsburgh this season. I mean, and what, and and a good question is what situation is going to be better than what he had in Pittsburgh? Maybe Indianapolis, but I doubt it because you still have T Y Hilton there. Uh, And then what else? I mean, he'll, he, he would be the wide receiver one in San Francisco, but you can't tell me that Jimmy G G is better than Ben. So, I think regardless, you, you're probably going to see him da- a downgrade in a situation. But like I said, he's 31. He's bound to start dropping off here, and I am going to be selling him not at his peak but near his peak before he does start to lose value, especially because of age and dynasty. And finally, Eric Ebron, he's not going to keep up the touchdown rate, especially on the snap share that he had. And Jack Doyle, regardless of how you, you feel about Ebron and Jack Doyle, Jack Doyle still averaged seven targets per game when he played and he's playing on a lot more snaps. So whether Ebron is efficient or not, that's not the point. Jack Doyle is still going to siphon away targets and Jack Doyle is a very good tight end. So I just, Ebron just had a great season, but I I don't think you can expect him to reproduce that. So this podcast is no longer going to present a balanced argument on uh, Eric Ebron. So we're probably going to have to just avoid that one altogether. Not just Eric Ebron, but the the Colts tight ends just in general. Um, We're all in agreement on that one. So we're probably going to have to mostly avoid that one. Um, what we're not going to avoid, though, even though we're all in agreement, are these buys. So James turned us on to Chris Herndon, and to me looks like 
George Kittle part two. Everything you said about Allen Robinson, that's that's why I've got him as one of my absolute favorite sleepers. And then Albert Wilson, it's so crazy to me to think about Albert Wilson and Tyreek Hill on the same Chiefs team. And the fact that that's, it, it, it's actually kind of a bummer that that's not the case anymore. It would be so fun to watch those two because those are those two players are almost identical. Tyreek Hill is faster and more explosive, but Albert Wilson is the exact same, same type of player, you know, that kind of gadget, kind of speed guy. And it, it, he's he's going to be absolutely perfect. I have no idea what the Miami Dolphins have planned at the quarterback position. I'm guessing it's probably a rookie. They're for sure moving on from Ryan Tannehill. Maybe they go with a bridge guy like a Joe Flacco. And then... And then turn it over to, you know, whoever they draft in the first round. But whoever that is, is going to greatly benefit from having Albert Wilson and the ability to just dump it off to him and let him create the yards for you. So it kind of, you know, as good as Pat Mahomes was this year, there was a certain amount of it early on where it was just get it to Tyreek Hill out in space and let him create the yards there was there was a a certain amount of that well pat pat mahomes kind of eased into the role a little bit and i mean look at where we're at now so that's it's just such a huge advantage for a young quarterback to have that so i i love the buys and i don't i don't I, i don't mind the sells sorry james no no you're fine i i second that i i love the buys and the sells i i my my favorite favorite player on this list is Albert Wilson. I uh, I got I got a big smile on my face when uh, when you mentioned him, uh, Stompy, because I I've been buying Albert Wilson pretty much everywhere uh, for cheap. I mean, just because he got hurt, and I think some people kind of forgot. I mean, he was he was boomer bust. He, you know, he had some some really big point totals, like he did against I believe the Bears, um, and 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 a couple other games. He had some really big point totals, and then he was really low some other games, but. I feel like that happened a lot with Adam Gase coach teams. I think that that's kind of, kind of more, you know, more so likely to happen with that. But I, I mean, this this Miami roster doesn't have a lot of playmakers. Albert Wilson is one of them. He's proven it. He proved it last year. And I think anybody who takes that that team over is going to recognize that and use him as that type of playmaker. Maybe even in the Tyreek Hill role. So. I'm I'm excited about Albert Wilson and what he can do, and I I'm definitely buying him, and I think his his ADP is way too low. Um, as far as the sells go, I'm on board with all of them. Uh, AB probably a little bit less so, um, only because I could see a scenario where I mean I don't I don't know that any team is out on a talent like that. Um, I mean, there's probably a few that that would be out, but I mean, would it shock anyone? I mean, he's almost becoming a troubled wide receiver, and and isn't it kind of New England's mo to bring in troubled wide receiving? veterans and just you know bring them in the locker room and try to make good on them you know like what they did with moss once upon a time like they did with josh gordon and now you know uh, antonio brown becomes available uh, maybe you know like it just wouldn't totally shock me if he ended up in a in a situation that his values you know maybe didn't de- decrease too much and um and he would still be a usable fantasy asset for the next few years but you're right if you keep him and you roll the dice and he ends up in like oakland um, his fantasy value is going to plummet, and at that point, you know, you're going to be thinking, "Man, I should have totally dealt him in the offseason before he signed somewhere." So, 
you, you make good points on that, and I think I would rather be on that end. I'd rather give him up and let him find a decent spot rather than, you know, that being the worst-case scenario, rather than keeping him and having him find a spot that's absolutely dreadful and kills his value. So um, I'm, I'm on board with all those. All right, let's finish this off. And this one probably aimed a little bit at James, and I'm curious – I, I'm curious what both of you guys think about this one. James, the Browns fan, both of these guys, my buy and my sell, they're both Browns. So I'm buying Rashad Higgins, wide receiver 83. That's the starting outside wide receiver in a Baker Mayfield, Freddie Kitchens offense. And he's going as wide receiver 83. You barely even have to draft him. And now I'm selling Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 21. It, it felt like Baker maybe started to put a little bit of chemistry together with Jarvis Landry late in the season. But the reality is this is always going to be Jarvis Landry's role is going to be in between the twenties and it's going to be short yardage. It's going to be move the chains. It's going to be what I call long handoffs. That's essentially what they do with Jarvis Landry. The only way that you're going to get, you know, wide receiver 21 productivity out of him as if he scores touchdowns. And I mean, the, the path for that just is not there to me. It's, it's going to be a lot of Nick Chubb, you know, the deep downfield stuff is going to be to guys like Richard Higgins and Antonio Callaway and whoever else they bring in. The red zone work is going to be Nick Chubb and the red zone target is going to be David Njoku. There's just no path to me for Jarvis Landry to get in the end zone, which is what it takes, especially with the the lack of yardage because they're all such short completions to Jarvis Landry. It, it, it's got to be on touchdowns, and I don't see that happening. I don't see a path for him. Yeah, I... So, so first off, I'm I'm totally on board with selling Jarvis Landry. I don't think he should be a top two wide receiver in in fantasy. He shouldn't be a top twenty four guy. Uh, so, so I'm totally on board with selling him. I I agree completely. A lot of his, even the catches he did make, a lot of them were contested. He had to make fantastic catches, and the ball placement had to be just right because he didn't create separation, and that's that's a problem moving forward. He's not a wide receiver one. He's seeing the top cornerback week in and week out. And unless the Browns do something to change that, which, I mean, there's not a lot out there free agency-wise, um, and, you know, I don't know unless they spend a first-round pick on it, and I, I, I don't think that they would do that. Um, they have other needs that they can address that are bigger needs at this point. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they address that number one wide receiver spot, and so I don't think anything changes for Landry in the near future. So, yeah, I, I'm totally on board with selling him. Now, while I don't expect the Browns to make a big splash in the wide receiver market, I do expect them to add some wide receivers, uh, some depth to this class. And I don't know what that means for Higgins. I don't know what it means for Callaway. I mean, they they are really high on Antonio Callaway. Um, as much as I like Richard Higgins, I don't know how high they are on him. Um, you don't hear a lot about, about Higgins uh, right now. You did earlier in the year. Um, but towards the end of the year, you, I, I heard a lot of, uh, of praise again for Callaway. Um, and how Baker really likes throwing the ball to him. Najoku really took a step forward. I just don't know what Higgins' role is going to be. I think where he's going at, I, I think he's a buy, though. So I do agree with you there. I think, you know, he, he can outperform that pretty easily. Um, you know, be, being being that, going that late in the wide receiver pool. 
so I, I would say that I'm, I'm on board with both. Um, I'd be a little bit more cautious with Higgins. I don't know that it would be a major bump that, that I would give him, but a slight bump as of right now. But I'm, I'm totally on board with selling Landry. I think I, I don't even know how comfortable I would be. I mean, I, I think he would be probably a low-end wide receiver three for me. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't feel great about having him as a third wide receiver even, to be totally honest. So I am definitely on board with selling Landry. Completely agree on Landry. I just, he disappeared with Freddie Kitchens. Um, and I I don't know what he is for this team. They, they're paying him basically wide receiver money, one money, but he's just producing wide receiver two numbers. And I can't trust that. Um, and we know that. Uh, Baker Mayfield likes to use his tight end, so I think Njoku is definitely going to take a get a, a bump in his third season and his second season and really first full season with Mayfield. And like you said, Nick Chubb's probably going. It's probably going to be a, a relatively run heavy offense as well. But yeah, I just I don't know what Jarvis Landry is. He's definitely not getting. Well, I mean, he did get the volume. He just wasn't as efficient with it. Um, there is a spot for him in the NFL. It's just I don't know how great of a fantasy asset he really is with the Browns. And yeah. then, yeah, well, it, go, sorry, it, no, sorry, exactly that. It's just, it, it. I mean, he's an extension of the running game, you know. So, which for NFL purposes is extremely valuable, but for our fantasy purposes, I mean, it. it if you could, if there was somehow a designation that allowed you to put him at the running back position. That's more what Jarvis Landry is than a wide receiver. The only reason that it counts as a wide receiver is because he's lining up in the slot and catching the ball rather than taking a handoff. But yeah, to me, he's just an extension of the running game. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, and uh, it's not, I, the thing is, it's not like his usage is that far off from what it was in um, Miami. Like, he still got 149 targets. He just only caught 81 of them. He's, and, but, I mean, he had a 976 yards, which he had 987 in Miami. His touchdowns were just down, back to normal. So, while he was still relatively productive, he's still just a wide receiver, too. Um, and I'm, I would much rather have a lot of guys going behind him. Um, and then, yeah, Higgins, Higgins is kind I mean, he, he's kind of a sneaky player for the Browns. He, he's been involved each of the last two seasons. Um, he's gotten better each season, but I think James is right is I just don't know what to think of him with Callaway. I think I would rather buy Callaway at wide receiver 46 than I would Higgins at wide receiver 83. Though I do understand, like, it's basically like an auto return return on investment plus when you pick up Rashard Higgins because regardless, you're going to get better than wide receiver 83 numbers from him. But Callaway, I would guess, is probably guaranteed almost wide receiver 3 numbers and you're going getting him for wide receiver 4. So, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a situation to watch, but I would expect Callaway to be the wide receiver to own more so in that offense. 
there you have it giving stompy the last word on uh on this episode because this was this really was it, you know apologies for going a little longer than usual um but, oh would you quit it but, they like hearing us talk about football <laughs> man I, I have a hard time believing that anybody wants to listen to me for more than 90 minutes but it, no but they want to hear me talk <laughs> for 90 minutes so. SFBA okay, champ. okay good for you there it is <laughs> There it is. <laughs> so this this was a stompy episode. That was that was the whole uh, the whole point of this. Get to know our new co-host, our new partner. So, um, and he wanted to talk, and so we talked. So uh, I I have no regrets. Um, so I take back my apology. I retract that. How about that? How's that? Good. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we're going to wrap it up for the week. Week number one of the Stompy era. So good to have him on here as a, as a co-host and as a partner. And uh, we're looking forward to many more good times with him. But as we wrap it up, we're going to ask you for the same quick favor to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't already. And if you have, if you would do us a huge favor, if you have the ability, if you have the option, if you give us a rating and rev- a review, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to new listeners, which helps us to really zero in on the most useful topics to all Superflex and Dynasty and Fantasy Football players. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts, the Mega Feed, and get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. And send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show, or you can send them send them to any one of us individually. Sam is at FF Stompy. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. So send us those trade polls on Twitter and we can retweet them, help you get more votes and more comments, and sometimes even bring them here on the show and analyze them and break them down. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song Me Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.